You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the State of Combat MMA edition, coming to you live and direct immediately after UFC 244 from New York City at Madison Square Garden. So much to get into, so much to talk about. Our man Jack Crosby was live on the scene, sitting in the second row of the press area on this glorious Saturday night where I don't even know what time is anymore. Time is a flat circle. It's like 2 a.m. apparently. But there's still fights going on out there. Um, Jack, what is going on, man? Oh, what a roller coaster of a night, Brandon. Holy crap. I mean, the atmosphere in that place tonight was just phenomenal. Just like just like you figured it would be. And then the card the card for the most part I thought delivered. And I wasn't a prisoner of the moment or location actually being there. But uh the, everything delivered right up until that final decision, man. Yeah, I mean, dude, the whole night was just amazing. You got some incredible, incredible knockouts that you're not going to see again for a long time. Like, I don't think UFC has given us those kinds of highlight reel knockouts in a while. You had Corey Anderson showing out. You had Kevin Lee coming back from a really bad stretch for him. There's just so much to get into, and we're going to do all of that right after this. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. Now streaming. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, has returned. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? (laughs) Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Jack Crosby and Brandon Wise giving you the instant analysis of UFC 244 coming to you right now. Jack's in his hotel room. He's about to fall asleep. So am I. <laughs> We're all really tired. Apparently Canelo is still fighting out there in Vegas because they delayed it. I want to be like Sergey Kovalev who was laying on a couch in the, in the back while UFC 244 main event was being played in the MGM Grand Garden Arena Hotel. Dude, it was a wild night. Like crazy. I don't think you could have picked a better night for UFC like 
this was everything that fight fans were hoping for. And you got exactly that, man. Like, you got those oblique moments, and then it ends with... Oh, Brandon, I mean, we should give these people... Canelo just KO'd Kovalev. Oh, okay. So we could... For the for the fight fans out there that are going to be listening tonight. Well, yeah, the Brian Campbell and uh, Mikey Mormal are going to give you the instant analysis of Canelo Kovalev out there in Las Vegas. They'll have a lot more to give you on that, on that result there. But, but Jack, yeah, I mean... That main event, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz, for three rounds was amazing. It was fun, action-packed, back and forth for a while. Really kind of one-sided, like a little bit more one-sided than I'm probably giving it credit for for Jorge. But it still was what we wanted it to be. It was two BMFs going at it hard (laughs) for... For 15 minutes, and Nate Diaz becoming the bloody pulp that he normally is in these kinds of fights. Except this time, the cut was too big, and the doctors wouldn't let him continue. What did you think when from from your seat? What did you think of all of that that happened? It was I, like you said, from the start. It was beautiful, like uh, especially when Jorge started out by feigning that he was going to try the flying knee, and it got a laugh out of everybody. The the the, the entire the entire Madison Square Garden burst out in laughter and then things got serious and it was it was everything we could have asked for from these two for this particular fight because especially after what happened with Askren like Jorge now especially in the minds of all these new fans that he garnered is that he's the killer like he's he's the hunter whereas Nate sort of gets that reputation like like you said the bloody pulp especially that first Connor fight like Nate is the sort of the comeback kid in a way like he'll be battered up he's the he's like almost a rocky story like his face will be a mess and you expect him to come back and what was beautiful about it up until the end was that that's where this was going that's where this was headed because it was crazy to me being right there seeing Nate it was like the bloodier he got the more jazzed up he was to go back there and and get and get at Jorge and right before the fourth, as he was ready to go out there, the doctor just said no. And, like, you could literally feel the air get sucked out of MSG. It was heartbreaking in a way for me. Like, everything was good, and then the air just got sucked right out of that building. Yeah, I mean, and and to their credit, like, Jorge and Nate were really upset with the doctor's decision. They were amping up the crowd a little bit, trying to get them to boo and, and jaunt at the, at the decision even more. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, man, where was that fight going to go for Nate? Like Nate, nah. wanted, Nate wanted to go out on his on his shield and and get finished if he was going to lose the fight. But the doctor saved him from himself. And you know what? I don't have a problem with it. Like this is what UFC needs more of. We've been talking for so long about guys that need to be that that need corners to step in and and say no, like no, you are you don't have a path to victory in this fight. There is no way for you to rally back from three rounds down in the last two. You're not going to land your Hail Mary knockout. And especially the way that Jorge was reacting to a lot of those shots where he's just laughing at Nate when he, he was eating him. It's just like I, I'm happy that the doctor made the right call there. And even Dana White said afterwards that, that he was a he was kind of disappointed, but he's like, you got to respect the decision. And I get it, man. Like, you, did you see the picture of Nate when they were trying to clean all the blood out of his face? Like, yeah. it was bad. <laughs> and, 
And I get what Nate was saying about the cut from from the uh, Anthony Pettis fight just didn't heal properly or didn't have enough time to heal. But that kind of plays into it, though. Like, it's, yes, it does. He 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 probably shouldn't have been in this fight this quickly. Like, he probably needed more time to get healthy. And you can have a conspiracy theory about everything that happened last week before this fight was actually happened with the CB with the CBD with the USADA suspension and with UFC with Dan, Nate saying that he wasn't going to fight. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there about that, but. You know that dude is tough as nails, and he was not going to go out like a punk. And you do bring up a good point about how, you know, yeah, the fans were mad. They were angry. uh, But at the same time, we do have an issue in combat sports as a whole. Now, I mean, we have boxers dying in the ring from shots. Uh, So safety across the board in combat sports. And I'm sure that in the coming week or weeks, you're going to hear people say, well, he did it against Connor. But I want people to understand something. And I think you'll agree with this. I mean, I mean, Jorge Masvidal has a lot more well-rounded striking ability and more power than Connor does. Meaning that if they continued that fight, if that doctor didn't step in, we don't know what kind of damage Jorge could have done because he was teeing off at will on Nate. And eventually... Nate's a human. He is a human being. And that damage was going to catch up. And God knows what would have happened if they didn't stop it. So I'm, I'm like you, like I'm not against it. It was disappointing. You could say it's disappointing because it was because we were all the way up here on the roller coaster and then it just dropped in a heartbeat. But at the same time, you got to look at the future. You got to look at the what if. And it, I would rather Nate Diaz, as much as I love him and I would rather him just walk out of there, get that eye healthy. I don't think we're going to see Nate Diaz for a while. I think he's going to take another one of his breaks. Um, unless, unless something really outside the box were to lure him back. But I don't think we're going to see Nate for a while. So he can go take care of that. And then Jorge can move on with his life. Because I know they called for the rematch. But I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. He'll need it, man. He he needs the heel. That's the thing. Is like the Connor rematch against uh, Nate. He had some time to get right, and he also didn't have a bad cut. Yeah. Nate was actually the one who had a cut in that fight. That He was the one bleeding everywhere, and it opened up again in the rematch. And that was, what, four months later, I think, or five months later? So Yeah, pretty close, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I get the desire to like want to be in there at all times, but at some point, you just got to be like, dude, this cut's just not healing right. And it goes to the stuff with Tyson Fury, man. Like, Tyson Fury's doing freaking WWE <laughs> right now, and... You know how dangerous that would be? Like, what would have happened if he somehow got accidentally cut and that, that giant gash he had on his face just opened up? Like, Top Rank would be pissed. Yeah. So, and, it, and, and I did watch it, like, the pro wrestling match he did. They, they, they protected him to a point, but there were instances where something bad could have happened. It was ugly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, credit, let's give the credit, man. Like, and, and and first of all, I get everybody being upset because it's the BMF title and and there should be a different set of rules for this kind of fight where it feels kind of like street fighty. But, I mean, come on, man. It, at the end of the day, yeah. it was a marketing ploy. We all know what it was. We we bought into it. We loved it because it was so different from what UFC normally does. And it was fun. It was – even without heat on the fight between between Jorge and, and Nate, because there was no hate between those two. Like, they loved oh. each other. They they embraced the whole time. This was what we wanted it to be. 
and it gave us those great moments. But let's give the damn respect to Jorge Masvidal, man. Like, oh, is dude, he dangerous? That, He's a bad man. That dude might be as as good as it gets right now at 170, and that's saying a lot given the fact that 170 has all of a sudden reloaded to this ridiculous spot. And I mean, if there's not a another um what's the word I'm looking for? If you if you need another reference for somebody that took the time off correctly, and got everything out of it that he needed to while he was on a break from fighting. No, look no further than this guy because mm-hmm. he did every, he's done everything so perfectly. He, he got his body back to where he wanted it to. He got healthy. He figured out marketing all of a sudden. Like yeah. he, he had no, he was no marketer before the, before the start of this year. And now we're talking about a dude who's got two of the, filthiest highlight reel knockouts of the year and he just stopped nate diaz in the main event at msg yep if he's not your fighter of the year i don't know who is okay okay no like when we do our voting i i it has to be a runaway him i i don't know how brian feels uh we you never know what him he could he could throw he could throw us a curveball like he usually does but I think it should be a runaway. And I also think you bring up a good point about figuring things out. Jorge Masvidal to me, I was thinking about this tonight. I don't, I don't know why it popped into my head, but like Jorge Masvidal, it might have been because Darren Till was on the card too, but Jorge Masvidal to me is a, a great example of how, how many times, Brandon, do we see young fighters in MMA come up and they hit maybe sort of a rough patch? And you write them off for dead. And you say, that's it. They're done. Jorge Masvidal is 34 years old. And he's just figuring this out now. He's just putting it all together now. And look where the guy is. This dude's going to be a millionaire. A a, a couple times over. So he's a guy that, like, next time you want to jump down the throat of a talented young fighter and say, well, you know what? And I understand. There were a lot of decisions that maybe shouldn't have went against Jorge you know, on that win loss record, but still they happened. They were setbacks. It was, it could have been very easy to say, yeah, you know what? Screw this guy. Get him out of here. Yeah. But he take, takes the time, figures it out. And now look what we, you, the UFC all of a sudden has its next megastar. I mean, even Jorge said in the, in the UFC countdown to this fight that he's the UFC split decision King where he, lost. <laughs> he has more split decision losses in UFC history than anybody else. And if you think yeah. about where, if those fights just go somewhere different, somewhat differently for him and judges give him another point somewhere, where would his career have been at, before this? Like he's 34 years old, man, and he's now figuring out the superstardom path. It's crazy. Like, and I mean, I have like, like a soft spot in my heart for it more because like he's a South Florida dude. He is so Miami and it's so <laughs> awesome to like see a Miami person get this kind of shine in fight sports. Cause we don't really get this down here a lot. Like this is such a transient area that nobody ever really sticks here. So to see somebody like this, who was in the Kimbo slice stuff, it's been talked about at nausea, ad nauseum like all week, the Kimbo slice back backyard fighting and yeah. how he's grown up and now he's, he's making this transition to where he's a soup. He's a megastar and you can't, now you're not going to be able to put him on a co-main event. He has to main event everything he fights. And that's kudos to him. Like you said, he figured, he figured it out, and now he is definitely in position. I mean, 
whomever comes out with that welterweight championship, that is the man they're going to be staring in the face and nobody else. So it's interesting, right? Like my buddies have been texting me tonight because this was like that kind of crossover casuals are watching because of all the attention that it's gotten on ESPN this week and with the rock and, and even freaking president Donald Trump being in attendance. Like everybody was interested in what happened here. So everybody's asking me is Connor next. Would he fight Connor if, 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 so I get the want to do that because of the soup, the potential crossover stardom and pay-per-view buy. But I also don't want to see that fight. Like, he'll, ki- he'll kill him. He will kill Connor. It's well, funny you bright you actually bring that up because as I was watching about the second round tonight, I thought that to myself because I, you know, you and I have talked about it um, privately about the whole Connor, and I, it literally dawned on me. I, I think it was just seeing Jorge and Per. I said he will kill him. He will kill Connor McGregor if they ever get in the cage together. But like he said, I. But you, we have to see it from the perspective of the casual fans. Who just see money fights and pay per view buys and stuff? It would sell, but people would be highly disappointed after seeing what Jorge would do to him. Well, even Jorge said this a few weeks ago on ESPN's Get Up. He said that UFC told him he can't fight Connor because he would commit murder in the ring. <laughs> and that's they're not wrong. Now, at the same time, now don't forget after the Asker knockout, and everyone's hey, what's next for you? What what's next for you? And remember, he called for Connor, but I I would too if I was him. Like I would at least throw it out there because you know the money that's going to be on the table. But from a technical perspective, that wouldn't even be a fight, and Connor McGregor's career would probably be over. Yeah, and I mean that's that's you cashing out Connor. That's that's Pretty much. taking him. You're getting one last pay per view out of him, and then just feeding him to the wolves. So. I don't know what they're going to do with Jorge here. It did, doesn't sound like they gave any real hints at what's going to be next year. They could just turn him into a celebrity and make more fun fights. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But, I mean, if they gave him the winner of Kamaru and Colby, I mean, that that's, that is Especially going to be Colby. amazing. Yeah. I'll do respect to Kamaru. But if Colby wins on December 14th, that is going to be a moneymaker. Because there are just going to be so many people... That want to see him just smash Colby's face in. Yeah, and but I I think that's underselling Kamaru just a touch because if Kamaru is the dude who ends Colby on pay per view in a main event, people are gonna want to see him against Jorge. See, I I, I agree. To, I, I don't know, Brandon. I don't know. I, I'm not sure it'll resonate as loudly as it would if he deci- Okay, if if Kamaru decisions him, I think you're on. I think you're right. Which, if, no, Kamaru is a very, very distinct possibility. Yeah. And especially after what I saw, again, in person from Colby against Robbie Lawler, which, look, I, the the dude is what he is right now. We're talking about marketing and stuff. He is what he is. But what he did to Robbie Lawler was damn impressive. No, and I, I get it. But I'm uh, saying if, if Kamaru does stop Colby in something that's dramatic, like something we saw tonight, <laughs> then, <laughs> then maybe we get the like the heat that they want. But let's keep going, Jack, because we got so much to get to, and I don't want to be here until four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Darren Till makes hey, his man. debut at 185 pounds against Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum did not look like he wanted to be there tonight. I'm just gonna say it. Darren Till made him made that an ugly fight. He, I, I don't even know what to say, man. Like Kelvin, this was my problem with him before the Israel fight was like. 
how did he get here? He lost to he lost to freaking Chris Weidman badly yeah. by a third round submission. And I get that he's had some nice wins here and there, but he's not a fun fighter to watch. He's just he's there. Like he's hey. he's a brawler if you put him into if if you get somebody that wants to push the action. Darren Till's the same thing as him. He's a counter striker. That's and that's what you got tonight was just a whole lot of waiting. <laughs> And I'm never afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I said it's it's in writing. I, I said Darren in our predictions. I said Darren hasn't done anything at uh, welterweight with the, you know those embarrassing losses to should to put it to give me any faith. And I knew like Kelvin Gastelum that performance against Izzy was just a sort of a once in a lifetime out of nowhere thing. It was fun, but like you said, that's not Kelvin Gastelum. We know that's not Kelvin Gastelum. So I don't know if people expected like that fight after the Izzy fight, like this was some new Kelvin. But the only reason I predicted Kelvin to win was because I figure he's more comfortable at the weight class. Darren's just moving up. And though Kelvin can be a bit, I guess, boring is a word you could use. It's accurate. I figured he'd be able to do enough to just probably just, either knock Till out in the second or third round after wearing him down a little bit. But Darren, to his credit, seemed a lot more comfortable. Seems like this, it seems like 185 is where he wants to be. And this was a great jumping off point for him tonight. Um, Yeah, I would say that a dude fighting at 185 pounds who could probably fight at heavyweight will look a lot more comfortable than he did fighting at 170 pounds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy. Like, I, I was joking about it in our Slack room tonight because Joe Rogan just gawks <laughs> at fighters sometimes. And he was he was talking about how massive Darren Till is in there. And he is. He's 6'2", man. Like, he was fighting at he, 100. He's a big dude. He was fighting yeah. at 170 for no reason. And he looks fit now. He looks like a dude who could fight at 205. But if he can stay at 185 and he can find that power and that range, he's going to be a fun dude to watch. It's just going to be a matter of is he going to get in there with the right dance partner? Because, again, yeah. that's what it is. You In this sport specific, more than most, you have to find the right dance par- partner to make this fun and to make this entertaining for fans. So let's keep it moving, Jack. I don't want to sit on this fight anymore. We got so much other stuff to talk about, man. And – I don't even want to talk about Vicente Luque and Stephen Thompson, even though that was a great fight for Stephen Thompson. And I was just, I was just going to say really quick, if I could, here, what my, one of my big takeaways from the entire night, and I said this in the live blog in about round two when I, when I was doing the live action, it was, it was awesome to see Wonder Boy slowly gain his confidence back. Like right before my very eyes, I could see it in his face. He gained his confidence back. And he turned back into Wonder Boy. Like, it was like, boom, he's back. There he is. That's a good challenge. But he he just got more confident, more confident, more confident. And Luque wasn't a throwaway opponent by any means. And he got that confidence back. Wonder Boy, for me, was one of my favorite per- performances of the entire night. Yeah, I mean, that was as close to a vintage performance as you're going to get out of that dude. And it was cool to see, even though he's really not a Wonder Boy anymore. He's like 37. <laughs> It's the it weirdest thing that we call, call that. that guy a boy. But, yeah, Vincente Luque, he had a lot of heat coming into this fight, was supposed to be the next hot prospect, and just yeah. looked overmatched. That's best that I can describe it. All right. Derek Lewis and Blagoj Ivanov. <laughs> you want to talk about some hot sex heavyweight fun in there tonight. 
That Good was porn. Lord. Good Lord, were those dudes banging. And you talk about Derek Lewis's comments after the fight where he he talked very inappropriately about a scar on Ivanov's chest that was from a robbery attempt where they tried to kill him and like when yeah. he was a kid. It was it was really awkward and weird for Joe Rogan standing there listening to that. But Derek Lewis coming back after having ACL sur- after having I think it was ACL surgery last year at, after he lost his uh Oh no, I'm, God, I'm forgetting a lot of his fights. I forgot about the Junior Dos Santos fight in March. He comes back after six months off. He looks good, but he also is still Derek Lewis in that he's very explosive. Nobody's ever going to say he's not explosive. Yeah. But good God, does he gas out quick. Yeah, but then he had, I, I will never understand that man's conditioning. It's not a normal human body conditioning. It's he gets these bursts just when you there's something where you just look at him and he wants to take a nap, like you want to give him a blanket and a pillow, and then he'll have these bursts, and then he'll go back to looking gassed out. Like I I don't understand it, but goddamn, it's entertaining to watch. It's entertaining as all hell, and that was the first time I got to see Derek Lewis fight live. That was fun. I thought Ivanov was going to finish that fight like four so different times. Like yep. it was just so weird. Like he kept getting him into a submission hold. Like he had the Kimura once, he had the Americano once, and it just looked like he was going to pop his shoulder out at some point. And then, like you said, Derek Lewis just exploded out. Like it's, it's almost like he was just saving up his tank just to get out of the hold after being nearly submitted. It was, it was wild, but. Derek did explode really well. That head kick in the first round was very violent and heavy. He And then those subsequent punches that he was landing in the second and third that, that really just kind of separated him from Ivanov on the scorecards. Yeah. If he's healthy and back, he's going to be fun. He's going to make there fun were, fights. If he's healthy, there is – that's and that's where the UFC is in a great position. There is always a spot somewhere for Derek Lewis on a main card. Like – you're, you're gifted a main card talent right there as long as he's healthy. And I mean, the dude was so reliable for him. They gave him a heavyweight championship shot. Like, like there, there's always a place for Derek Lewis and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see what happens next week because when Greg Hardy takes on Alexander Volkov, that's a fight that both Hardy and Lewis have said they're interested in making. So maybe that's what's next in, in 2020. Um, Keeping it moving through the card here. Okay, it's time. It's time to talk about this incredible knockout. Like, Dude. I don't think you can draw a picture of what a UFC knockout is supposed to look like better than what we saw on the first fight of the main card here with Kevin Lee just obliterating Gregor Gillespie's face <sighs> to the point where <laughs> Gregor's eyes closed and it literally looked like he was dead in the ring. It, it was scary. It, it was scary there for a second. If you'd seen it live, it was. I was, I was talking to Brian Campbell. I was talking to PC, and I said that was jarring to see live. Yeah, I mean, hearing knockouts is one thing, but when you're like ten feet away from it, it it's like, whoa, <laughs> this got a lot more real than I thought it was. You do it like you want to. You want to like tap the doctors on the shoulder and just be like, "Can you just check? Not if he's okay. Can you see if he's alive, please." Like that. This is really scary. But think about man. what Brian Brian was sitting there for for Masvidal and Askarin. I mean, 
Yeah, you know what? You know, I never thought of that. Oh, I can't even imagine. But, dude, I mean, Kevin Lee now working with Faraz Zahabi as a striking coach, he might be dangerous. He might have finally found the the match that he needed to put the game together because this looked like a completely different dude than I've been seeing in the UFC. And if this is the kind of dude we're going to get, then maybe BC's predictions of him holding a UFC belt one day actually come through because – the guy that I had seen before this fight was not championship quality. He was barely a top 15 fighter in any division that he's fighting in. This guy is not. This guy's different. Yeah, you you say, and he even mentioned it after the fight, his new team, my new team, my new team. You know, you hear that a lot from fighters sometimes, but you don't see the results. Or sometimes the results worsen, in a sense. But yeah, you're right. This was like a different Kevin Lee. And the thing is, Kevin Lee was always one of those guys that we knew was crazy talented and had all the tools. But maybe he just didn't have someone to put it all together for him. And he might have that now, which is, it, it, you're, like you said, it's scary to think about that if he can, especially in a division like 155 and the, like just the whole dynamic of him going up to 170. For one fight, and then popping back down. But he, when he pops back down, he comes back as this new person, this new fighter. Because that was vicious, and it wasn't just a kick; it was the way he, his aggressiveness too. I don't think I've ever seen that out of Kevin before. He was very aggressive into the fight, even before that point mm-hmm. when and he decided to end it. He, yeah, there's a different mentality with that guy, and I'm very interested to see where it goes from here. And. It was like the whole setup, right? Like he just stayed low and compact. Yep. He was he was keeping his body together, even with that really weird giant zit looking thing on his chest that we still <laughs> that no, yeah, no don't one knows know what it is. What it is. Um, yeah, I was high on Gregor Gillespie coming into this fight, and I'm just gonna go out here now and just uh, open up about my sadness with my picks today because, good lord, did I miss everything except for the main event. I went one and four on our main card picks and So did I. Don't only, feel bad. The only thing I got right today was that Edmund Shabazian is a badass and he ended somebody's face today. But oh. good lord did I just suck tonight in all of yeah, but, yeah, but Ed, Edmund. I, I said that in the live blog too. Twenty one years old. He's gonna be and this, a beast, and this kid's going out there doing that. He's gonna be such a beast. That's um, insane. But Gregor though, like Gregor was so good coming into this fight. He had so much good momentum going, and I don't know if he just didn't see the opportunity for the takedown or if he thought he could just stand and trade with Kevin, but good Lord, did he learn that was a bad decision there. Well, um, I mean, it, you know, until it goes, like we, we just talked about it, it goes back to new coaching, new training, because just like football or any other sport, these guys watch tape. They They watch old fights. And you like you didn't see this, Kevin Lee. He he comes out like a completely different dude. So that's something you can't see on tape. Yeah. You don't see his training sessions. You don't. So Gregor may have been ready for the Kevin Lee that we used to make fun of. But like you said, we like we both agreed this isn't the Kevin Lee we used to make fun of. Yep. It it's crazy. I, I like I said, if this is the Kevin Lee we're going to get, he can be a top five lightweight. And that just speaks to how good he is and how deep the damn division is. And again, it's, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's a, it's because it, it's, it's the everything coming together perfectly. Like the, all the stars aligning because 
that 155 division. If, if, if this, if Kevin could just keep this trajectory, holy crap, do we have a hell of a new prospect on our hands in that division? Yeah. All right. I'm already getting sad thinking about this, but let's talk about the prelim main event. Corey, uh, Corey Walker. Wow. I am tired. Johnny Walker and Corey Anderson. I'll give you the floor, man. This was our, this was our boy, but you were there to see this live. Go ahead. And, and I, you know, I got to talk to Johnny after the fight. Standing outside, probably where he didn't know where he was. I'm walking out Madison Square Garden. He was mingling with the people and and it was one of those sad moments. Like he was, he was apologizing to the fans, to his fans. Like, I'm sorry. And even, even I told him, just under my breath a little bit. I said, it happens, Johnny. You know? Like this, that's the game. And he, th- and he thanked me. I got to talk to him for a few minutes before I had to head back here to do the show. But, um, no, it, uh, hey, Corey Anderson made a statement and you got to give it to him because when I say give it to him, you know, that guy really doesn't get a lot of credit he thinks he deserves in the light heavyweight division. And he does get brushed off a little bit. So what he, he what he did tonight was, he was given this hot prospect that everyone's fawning over, you and I included. And he just decimated him. So now, like, that's the ultimate statement of a fighter of saying, okay, now what do you want me to do? Like, I got rid of your golden boy. What's next? So I got to give the guy credit there. Because I'm still, I'm not, I'm not a huge Corey Anderson fan. I don't think I'd be all too interested in him seeing him fight John. I really don't. But I got to give the guy credit where it's due. Yeah, I mean, he did his job tonight. The problem is there's just nothing else for Johnny at this point. Like, the, the Corey is default guy number one at this Pretty point much. to take him on. Um, I wasn't happy initially with how Corey reacted after the fight. Um, Johnny was just kind of standing there in a haze because he was just knocked out and he just popped back up to his feet on instinct and he looked like he he was trying to headbutt him in the head in the face yeah. like. It was a really visceral reaction from Corey. And I will say, though, I get it because, like you said, he's been through so much. The UFC almost – he claims the UFC flat out told him, you're not enough of a draw for us to give you a title shot. And they – they he think he thought they were setting him up to get knocked out just so that they could get this kid another – some more shine. So I get all of that. And – I would have almost been happier if he didn't apologize for it, even though he has. And he was like, that was a real heat of the moment reaction. I, I don't want to be that kind of guy. I want to be a role model for kids and all that stuff. And it's like, eh, whatever, man. Yeah. Like, be be the guy that you are. Like, you got to let that stuff out sometimes. And, and it's okay. Like, you don't need to apologize for being happy. Like, we were upset because we were we were backing Johnny Walker in that fight. And... It's funny just because the shoe's on the other foot now. Like, Johnny Walker's the dude who is celebrating in the ring every time after he knocks somebody out doing the worm. And then Corey Anderson did the worm tonight in front of him. So I mean, just thankfully, though, thankfully BC was in Las Vegas because if we had to listen to him. (laughs) I I kept saying that. I was like, oh, thank God he's in Las Vegas at Canelo because I – oh, Brandon, and I really don't need to hear him right now. Oh, he's going to call me on Monday and just start yelling at me about this. But Corey Anderson, man, give him his due. He he has yeah. earned it. He did. He even did this a way that we didn't. I didn't think was going to happen. He he went for a takedown or two and just didn't get him, and then just wailed on Johnny. Like he saw Johnny keeping his hands low and just took him out, man. B 
because you know, and he did, when I say he did his job, I'm not just saying win. Like there's fighters that are put in certain predicaments where winning just isn't enough. You can't just grab those scorecards and say, all right, the judges say I won, so I won. A guy like Corey Anderson has to go out there and do stuff like he did tonight to open people's eyes. Like they have to go the extra mile. And he went the extra mile. That that's why so like when I say he did his job, it wasn't just win. It was the manner in which he won. Uh Shane Burgos had a real nice finish against Maquin Amir Khani. He look he he struck he slow he was a slow starter, then started to put it on Amir Khani in the, the second, and then in the third just kind of took him apart with his gas tank and his his cardio. So props to Shane Burgos. He looks like he's gonna be a real player at one forty five. And like we were talking about before, Edmund Shabazian, man, that head 21. kick, that head kick was just so vicious and so on point against a dude who doesn't really get finished all that often in Brad Tavares. He, yeah. he loses fights, but he doesn't get finished like that. And Edmund, man, shout out to the head movement team because they got a player now. Yeah. 20, but like, like I kept saying it, but you, it, you can't overstate it. It's just 21 years old and he, he's very polished for 21. It just his style and everything. He's very polished. It was impressive to see in person tonight. He's a very polished fighter, and they really have something on their hands. Yeah, he's he's going to be a thing, man. I think he's probably going to end up now in the top ten of the the UFC welter uh, middleweight rankings. I might make him like seven or eight after a performance like that. But he's going to be a quick. He's going to be a quick riser. He's which is good because middleweight could use some beefing up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it's a little of, bit. A little bit more wouldn't hurt for 185. I don't think. And now you got Till. Yeah, it's kind of restocked yeah. on its own, like out of nowhere. <laughs> Even after all the departures of like the Rockholds and uh, Weidmans and now um, Jacare's, it's kind of just restocked itself. So, uh, and last one, Jair Rosenstruck's knockout of Andre Arlovski in the first round, first prelim fight. That dude is a beast. Rashad Evans told us this week about the amount of power he's got in his hands comparable to Anthony Johnson, and I believe it. I've seen him before at the gym over there, and that dude is a tank. It's it's scary to see what he can do in the ring with his hands. So I'm hoping this is the end of Andre Arlovsky. It's become a running joke on the show that I, I that call was, for everybody to retire, but good God, Andre Arlovsky's been fighting since like 2001. Stop. That fighting. was embarrassing tonight. And that's nothing to take away from Rosenstruck, but like seeing Andre Orlowski of all people, because you know where it really hits hard is when they when they put the accolades up on the screen, like former heavyweight champion, this many wins, and so like and they, they try to prop them up again, and then something like tonight happens, and it's just sad, because you're like, okay, yeah, they were once that, now he's laying on the floor in front of me trying to figure out where he is, like I don't want to see this. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's time for him to to call it, man. He he has nothing left to prove. He, I thought he should have quit four fights ago when he had a, like a really long losing streak and now getting finished in the first round by prospects is not how you want to end it's, your career. It, 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 like I, like I keep saying, it's time to call Scott Coker and ask him what kind of grand prix he has and you know maybe get God. involved there. I don't need to see him fight Czech Congo. That, please don't, that's what please we don't wish do. that on me. Please don't wish that on me. All right. Um, anything else you got from this? What did you think? How did you? How close did you get to the rock tonight? The rock was all right. Oh, hundred feet for me, maybe. 
in the cage. He did he did the little walk around the cage with that ugly ass. Yeah, but I since we can give our thoughts, the BMF title is ugly as sin. But hopefully it was just for one night only, like they're it's saying. So, so we never have looking. to. I don't. I didn't like it. I didn't it's, like it. It's just like they put fifty grand into a belt that is literally the same as they have now, just gray and black instead of was, gold. And it had and it had a curse word on it. Like, oh, Uncle Dana, thank you. And it, it, there was a curse on it. And then, then when he explained, well, yeah, it's like dark and ominous, like the Oakland Raiders. It's like, yeah, Dana, come on, man. That's really it's just dumb. Like, I was expecting something like what, even I, I like in my head, I was thinking something like, you know, at least the side plates before the fight, like there could be a picture of Nate and a picture of Jorge. And then the, you change afterwards. Or the area codes. I thought that was like the initial oh, yeah. touch that they That would have been awesome. Yeah, but something like something creative. They basically just took those new belts, which are trash to begin with. Yeah. And, and made them. But yeah, no, I mean, the Rock, oh, the rock was cool. And the crowd, the New York crowd, man. What did an you, atmosphere to be in. Did you like how they did that with him coming out before Nate and, and Jorge? <laughs> yeah, I, I figured they would anyway. He's. He's the rock, man. It's and like when you say the rock anymore, it's like not pro wrestling, the rock. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I mean kinda, you still have a generation that, but now it's just I guess I'm the curmudgeon who just thinks it was kind of corny. Just because it's like you don't do this for any other fight. You haven't you've never done this for like an actual like big ass blowout, like can't miss pay per view main event for a title fight before, but you're gonna do it for these guys? Although there there were a few times people pointed it out and I didn't get to see it live because I was blocked. I was well, I was I was simultaneously write, writing and I was blocked by the horde of people in there. They said like the rock did not look happy putting that belt around Jorge. Really? Like there were a few times he kind of looked like I'd have to look. I did see a few pictures, no videos yet, but I did see picture different sides where he was just kind of like meh, like. What well, the hell was that? Well, no, I think he was more, that was more him being frustrated with the stoppage and how the fight ended. I don't think that had anything to do with him not liking Jorge. Cause like, but I mean, we come to find out on Friday, this, this whole, this whole, um, involvement with Dwayne wasn't for the BMF. Oh, yeah. It was for, it was for a movie. <laughs> so weird. Which, I, I mean, look, I, it, I, you, guys like you and I in BC, like when I heard, all right, a movie about Mark Kerr, I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. But then I'm like, how many millions of people are going to go, who the hell's Mark Kerr? Yeah. And that's or when how, they say, and that's how everybody so, there, and that's how everybody there received it is like, who? Oh, it was bad, dude. It was bad. Cause like I'm looking around, there was like nothing really from the people behind me, like the fans. Cause I was sitting in the media section. There was nothing but the fans when he was like, Mark Kerr. And they were like, wait, what? Yeah. Like they were expecting him to say when he's MMA movie about George St. Pierre or any anyone else. Well, no, I thought that the, he was going to be when you said he has a big announcement for MMA fans is like their press release thing. I thought that this was like Dana's secret manager that he had hired to run his boxing team because that what? was the only pieces I'd put together. He, Are you serious? No, so he's been seriously. He's been, explain. I'm, no, I'm he's, curious. He's been teasing that he's going to make this huge boxing announcement for Zufa Boxing yeah. that he was supposed to make in in October. And it's just been lingering out there and there's yeah. been no announcement and when you have the rock 
as this guy that's going to to do this uh, BMF belt, he's going to be the guy who puts it on the winner of the fight. But then he's going to have a weird 15 minute press conference before the weigh ins. Like, why would like you know like the pieces are just weird there. We've never – you don't see that in most press conferences for UFC. Like, why would you give The Rock that platform? See, I did think movie because I know he just started that co- that Seven Bucks production company, like his his own now. So I figured movie, but my th- – with the Mark Kerr, like that brought me from up here to kind yeah, of – I was like, it, all right, I figured movie, but what? It was dumb. It was really dumb. But, but like, basically, like for anyone who thinks for a second that this was just The Rock wanting to be involved with the BMF thing, it wasn't. It was cross-promotion, and you, you'll probably see more of The Rock involved in the UFC probably when this movie gets close to release. So this yeah. tonight won't be the last time we see The Rock in the UFC. When this movie gets close to release, he'll do something else. Yeah, I guarantee it. I get it. All right, I think we need to wrap this up before you and I both just completely crash on the floor and the recording never gets to the podcast airwaves. So for Brandon Wise and for Jack Crosby, we are signing off for the night. Be sure to catch the Canelo and Kovalev instant analysis that might get done tonight around 6 a.m. I, I have no idea what the hell is going on in Vegas anymore. Um, it's also only now 1.41 apparently because of daylight savings time. So. Yeah, I got, I got to have a, I have a beef with my wife because she was complaining all day about how we're losing an hour of sleep and now, now I get to tell her, no, you gained one. Well, your wife is also asleep in the bed like five feet away from you, so. This has been a really weird day. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna wrap this up now. For Jack Crosby, I'm Brandon Wise, and we are out. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.